0: Hey there boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm Andrew Brandt. This music underscoring me now is from my son Sam Brandt. Got a new track out, This Is It. If you want to check out Neon Bloom, the EP. It's available wherever you get your music. It's out today, so enjoy it from Sam Brandt. Glad to give him the space here on the Business of Sports podcast. First a rant, then we get to our special guest. My rant is on Antonio Brown. I've been hard on him in the past. This is not being hard on him, moreover being hard on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're sort of like, you know, the boyfriend or girlfriend or the significant other that thinks this person's going to change when they've mistreated others in the past that they'll be different. This will somehow be different. That's more of a hope and a wish and a plan. That's not a strategy. And the Bucs are thinking, well, we got Tom Brady, we got a locker room, we got a good team. It'll be different. It's hard to say that. I mean, the best predictor of future behavior is always past behavior. I don't get the signing. They have good receivers. I understand they're banged up. I just don't get it, signing Antonio Brown. It's not something to bring into a locker room. You know, uh, the Steelers tolerate him as long as they could. They finally got rid of him. took on a $21 million dead cap hit, which is detrimental to the franchise. They're starting uphill last year, even before they lost the quarterback terrible decision to get rid of him from a financial point of view but they felt that they had to then he goes to the raiders they give up two draft picks they give him a 40 million dollar contract they get to void out of that because of insubordination but still cut him after signing him three months earlier in this big dramatic fanfare of a trade and then, of course, the Patriots take him on. Ten days later, take him off after giving him a $9 million signing bonus. Three teams in a matter of a few months deciding they're better off without Antonio Brown than with him. But here we go. The bucks They give him a minimum deal. Tom Brady's an advocate. Let's see what happens. My sense is this can't go well. <laughs> I don't even care what happens on the field. This can't go well. Okay. That's my little rant to start this thing off. Hope you've enjoyed listening to my son's music. Now it's time to get to our special guest, Thomas Dimitrov, longtime general manager of the Atlanta Falcons and just dismissed a few weeks ago, has been uh, has been a friend of the program. We've had him on before. We talked about Matt Ryan's extension when he got it. We've talked to him about so many other parts of life beyond work, beyond football, he, like I, very into fitness and balance and health and very health conscious. Called him the other day, he was on a mountain bike ride. So this is a guy I wanted to bring on since uh, he was parted ways with the Falcons, as, as did Dan Quinn, the coach, uh, and sort of get his sense of how life was with Falcons, getting away from it now for a couple weeks, and his, what he's looking forward to ahead. So without further ado the former general manager, longtime general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, Thomas Dimitrov. How are you, my friend? We were talking before we came on air. I want to see how you were. I haven't talked to you since you parted ways with the Falcons, and what are we, about two weeks out by now, right?
1: It's about two two and a little bit. Sometimes it seems like it's a lot more, and other times it seems like just a minute ago.
0: How you feeling? How's it going? I mean, how how shocked were you? What was your initial reaction? How's it been since?
1: You know, Andrew, it's it's interesting. 13 years, 12 and a half, in 27 plus years in this business. Um, I say this humbly, but I've never been fired before. So it's a it's a really different feeling to say former general manager, right? We, <laughs> the former element is always a little unnerving to me just because, you know, wondering what, what are the next steps.
0: Right. But there's
1: also excitement in it, right? I mean, I go through waves of, you know, like anything, there's some waves of uncertainty and you know being unnerved and a little bit agitated, of course. And then there's these weird moments of euphoria. And I know that sounds exaggerated, but every once in a while, that feeling of freedom and being able to—you—you experience this very well now where you are. I mean, the idea of being able to be who you are and be able to present how you want yeah. to present is a really important thing for an individual. I think in our fifties.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, speaking my personal experience, I wasn't probably as tied to it as the personnel coaching side because I could look sort of a a little more distance than being that invested. But I felt a true sense of liberation, uh, leaving the Packers in ways that I didn't even think. And I think some of it was right away, like you're talking about, but it almost got stronger as, as the time went on for me. And you and I share this love of health and consciousness and fitness and balance. And that all came to fruition. After I left, I didn't sort of realize what I was missing in that sense. I'll just say this, I, because i get my out of the way. Do I, I get asked all the time? Do I miss it? I mean, I miss three or four nights a year of a big win or celebration, signing a big player, uh, getting away with, you know, getting a big contract done, doing whatever it is. But you know, that's 365 days a year of feeling a bit shackled to get those five or six nights of highs. Not worth it to me. Um, you know, you're in, you know, you're just out of it. So, so you're very fresh with these feelings right now.
1: Well, to that point, you, know, you, you hit the nail on the head. So I, I go round and round. I mean, I, I loved what I was doing. I've been doing it for a lot of years. Not, Not just a general manager role, but again, having been in this league, in personnel moving my way up through for 27 plus years yeah. and i realized over the last two years it was really interesting Andrew, and i can't remember if i mentioned this to you or not the difference in the wins and the losses they used to be really excited i used to be really excited uh, by the wins and the losses i felt like i could recover and it flipped the longer yeah. you're in it i thought it was going to get easier the longer you're in it the, the losses become so much more catastrophic and then the wins are so fleeting. And that was something that I I had to check myself on and was wondering why exactly that was, because I did love what I was doing. Of course, there were a lot of really exciting moments, but it it got to be a little enervating at times, knowing how impacted I was by the result, whether it was a win or a loss. Um, I will say to your point, you know, I, I left, I left Atlanta, went to Boulder. I have a home there. Um, my, my fiance, Mimi and I went, um, for about five days before the first game. So we were symbolically on a high mountain pass, um, just outside of Boulder at kickoff time, walking. I was feeling really good because I was again, symbolically separated from it all. And as fate would have a brother. I'm walking. There's three guys walking, burly dudes walking along, talking about uh, Julio Jones and talking about, um, you know, Calvin Ridley and how he's going to take the league over. We flip. I have my mask off at that time. They recognize me. And then it's kind of this, like, really funny interaction. I said, yeah, you can tell all your buddies that you just, you just passed the fire jam for the Falcons that you're talking about. They want to take, you know, take photos. We obviously right. didn't do that but i thought you know what isn't that amazing i thought i was getting away with it in the middle of the of nowhere and and it was it was still there for some reason
0: well i do find myself and i'm a lot you know i'm 10 years out um still a huge fan you see my helmet in the background my kids grew up there my kids are 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 avid fans that i don't know if that'll go away you know you spend 10 years and you a lot longer uh with one franchise The fandom's always there. I've never felt the bitterness of, hey, you can't be a fan anymore. That's still there, and I'm sure that's the same with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I have, of course, as you do, some great friends, and I want only the best for a lot of people. And and some of those great friends are still within the Falcons organization, of course. So this past week, I was with my son, completely different world, my son and my daughter. Uh, Once uh, my son is 13, my daughter is seven. We were on the Beltline on our bikes in Atlanta, Stopped off to get some ramen. By the way, I love ramen. We'll talk yeah. about that another time. I love that. We were eating ramen and oblivious to the score. And then all of a sudden, I get home. I don't know how. And I flip the TV on, turn the sound off, and I saw that last quarter of a, a pretty uneasy finish, um, <laughs> as you can imagine. And I'm just thinking, wow. What, once again, you asked me, was I surprised? I was. I was surprised. I didn't think it was going to go down the way it did necessarily. Um, As you know, it's not unprecedented in the league, but fairly uncommon that a GM gets fired uh, in the middle of the season or or first quarter of the season along with the head coach. I think Dan is a heck of a football coach. Uh, He and I have a great relationship. We're supposed to actually communicate a little later on today and just kind of do a little bit of a debrief. We haven't had – we've had yet to do that at this point.
0: Uh, You know, on that subject, and I appreciate you being so candid on it, did you feel like you guys were tied at the hip in terms of that subject in terms of if there's going to be a change, it's going to be a double point. Like, did you feel all along, like if he's out, I'm out, if I'm out, he's out, or it could be a different way.
1: Well, and that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I would say for quite a while, I knew that we were tied at the hip as far as partners. We were partners. There was there was never a directive coming from me to dan or dan to me because we were together up until this year and as you probably know both dan and i reported to arthur right this year rich mckay moved back into the office and uh that was after an 11 year hiatus from the football operation side basically and um and then when rich came back in we this year Changed our reporting structure, and we both reported to Rich as Arthur's designee. Hmm. And, um, and 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 again, that that was something that was just in place this year. Um, I found out after the fact that hands down, I definitely was tight at, at the hip with Dan. Um, and no disrespect whatsoever. That's you know sometimes that's that's a that's a positive, and that's something that is really good about my partnership with Dan for sure. Um, But we all know, I mean, everyone has their jobs to do. Obviously, I'm not on the field coaching. I don't have, you know, I think Ernie, of course, he said many years ago, what was the most difficult thing for him as a general manager was being in the tunnel on game day, having nothing to do with with the game. And I would say there are many times I wanted to say blitz, screen, throw deep to Julio. Of course, we can't do that. I realize that. Um, But, you know, look, it was a it was a in the end I realized after the fact we were tied together from the time that Dan was hired and I loved our relationship and I loved the way that we worked together in the end, um, you know, Mr. Blank decided that he needed to get fan base back. And the best way to do it was, uh, um, the firing of both of us.
0: You say the change with rich and rich McKay, he's been a guest on this podcast and you and I know, him, obviously you know, him a lot better than I do, but I've known him forever from league meetings 20 years ago. Um, what, do you know what was behind bringing him back in the role he hadn't been in for so long and that sort of change in reporting structure for you guys? Was there a change in in the design of the franchise this year or how did that come about? It was it related to COVID?
1: No, it wasn't related to COVID at all. I, I, yeah. believe that, um, uh, I believe that the way that it was looked upon was, you know, Arthur has a great deal of, of trust and respect for Rich McKay as a lot of people do as, as the head of the competition committee, obviously a very intelligent person, affable guy, as you know, he's fun to be around and and he communicates well. I think in the end, that was, that was good for Arthur to have someone named as his designee that we would report to versus reporting directly to Arthur, because that can get complicated. Right. Especially, you know, as, as Arthur's navigating through many things in his world, still the, the the omnipotent owner that he is. and, And, and I say that respectfully, he needed and wanted someone uh, sorry I shouldn't say needed, wanted someone to be in that spot that was going to be his designee. It, it, it made sense to have that as a reporting structure so that the three of us could approach everything you know from you know, the line soup, to nuts, whatever it may be, that we were going to re, uh, report on it together. We were going to what was often used pressure test ideas together, myself and Dan, along with Rich, given Rich's knowledge and his historic perspective. So that's how, it, that's how it ended up being the way that it was.
0: 17 years with the franchise. Is that right?
1: No, I uh, I w I've been there. I was there 13 years, 13, and, uh, yeah, 13 years. And I was prior to that, I was six years with, uh, with the Falcons, as you right. know, or with the, uh, Patriots. It's yeah. a and, uh, but it's amazing <laughs> when I think about that many years here in Atlanta, I mean, I love the city. I love the people here. I'm firmly entrenched in this community. And you know how that can be when you're around a place that you love to be. Though I have an amazing place out in Boulder, Colorado, this has become my home. And uh, you know that's that's complicated in of itself, right? I was talking to to Bill Polian the other day, and he's a big believer in you know getting out of Dodge right away. And, and yeah. my situation's a little different here with my kids firmly entrenched in the education system here, and my fiance being here here and her family. And I love the city, and I love the people around here. So uh, this is going to be my home base.
0: Well, it sounds like you've established yourself as Thomas Dimitrov beyond Thomas Dimitrov, Atlanta Falcons general manager. And I think that's something that people in the NFL don't do enough, you know, where their whole existence is tied to the franchise. Knowing you the way I do, and we'll get to our favorite subject of of fitness, but knowing you the way I do, it seems like you can conduct your life there. Like you said, your kids and your fiance and knowing the community as thomas Dimitrov, not as thomas Dimitrov falcons
1: yeah and i I think that's important for me i mean again having been here this long and and i have some some great friendships that i've developed over the years and and not of course just around football i mean that's what i enjoy and i'm sure knowing you with the multi-levels that you have as well i mean i don't define myself just as a general manager of an nfl team i know i was blessed i know i learned a lot I know I continue to grow literally every day on, on leadership. I mean, one of the things that, that, that I felt over the last probably three years that I realized is very few of us when we get into these executive level jobs in the NFL have been trained, right. you know, professionally as being leaders. We we you know, you come to it from a different spot side, it could have been it could have been from a finance and a legal side, I come to it from a personnel side and We're all learning as we go, and if we're open to it and we're around really good people to help us grow and learn, we become that much better as leaders and communicators. I'm a huge believer, as I'm sure you are, in today's world, if if you're not a lucid communicator in this position personally, along with the head coach and have that really clear communication going on, no chance whatsoever to thrive as an organization, as well as, of course, to, to an owner. You have to have very good communication ability.
0: So funny you say that. I mean, I felt like I had what people know as imposter syndrome for so long, <laughs> especially I'd go to these league meetings. I'd see Arthur Blank. I'd see Jeffrey Lurie. I'd see Robert Kraft. I'd see Jerry Jones. And I'm like, what am I doing here? This, this is like a dream. This is like a cartoon. Like I shouldn't be in this room. And that, that kind of never really went away, that feeling of kind of imposter syndrome I had in the NFL a lot. But then you kind of realize you step back and you realize everybody's kind of coming up with their own story, as you said. You know, I'm this former agent lawyer that sort of ended up in Green Bay because I had a lot of co- players when I was an agent that happened to be on the Packers. And when they made a change, they wanted a guy they knew well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's so true where you develop your own identity within this framework and not enough people bridge that identity um, I know this, Thomas, because in my line of media over the past few years, I've kind of brought in people that have been parted ways with their NFL teams to do a story for me to talk, to do something. And so often, so often, and you may not be surprised at all by this, they're not really talking. They're giving a resume speech or they're writing a resume speech because they want back in and they want to say the right things and they want to show that they're ready to get back into the NFL. And I think that's a barrier that people have, you know, they're like, you know, we talk about liberation, but do they really want to speak freely and be liberated? Or do they want to sort of stay on the edge to see if there's an entry back in? Where are you on that?
1: That's a, what a great, what a great point. Because of course, a good friend of ours and and a mentor of ours, you know, and Phil DePicciato, right? Both have a great deal of respect for him. And his intelligence. I think I've mentioned this before to you. I don't know if I've met a man who is that uh, mentally acute and that that sort of quick with a response halfway through my question to to Phil. He's got an amazing answer, and uh, I was yeah for everyone.
0: That. Sorry to interrupt for everyone. This is Phil DePitato, the head of Octagon, one of the great sports agencies in the world, and. Thomas and I know him well. So just to give context, go ahead.
1: No, it's a great, it's, it's great. And I've been talking with him. He's obviously always there to to have a, to to lend an ear and, and to give some really good advice. And uh, so we, we have some great conversations. We've had a conversation about this. What is my, you know, where is my head and what is my, my direction or am I feeling a direction? Am I, it's early. And I, and I really can't commit to that. If, if I, and this is not being wishy-washy, I need some time I need some time to work on what we'll get to in a minute. I'm sure my body and soul side of things, because that's really important. My kids. Um, do I love football? And do I want to be in? Do I want uh, potentially another opportunity to build a football team and build a championship team? Yes, of course I would. I have no idea how that lays out. In the intro, I am really interested in continuing to expand my horizons without using a sort of a a uh, uh, sort of flimsy analogy. I really do. I think it's important for me this many years in the NFL, again, 27 in the NFL before that in the Canadian football league and the world league. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I have created some really good contacts over the years, probably over the last 10 or 11 years, very close friends with RC Buford. I've become good friends with a number of people in the international scene David Brailsford, who I mentioned, who runs Team Ineos, who who won the tour with Team Sky for many years. Sir David, I mean, he is unbelievable from a leadership standpoint. To to my developing friendship with Brian Cashman, with the Yankees, um, to people that were in Red Bull. A lot of really, really uh, interesting and wildly intelligent people that I love spending time talking to. And I don't know, maybe there'll be opportunities there. Uh, in the interim, while I'm waiting to potentially jump back into the National Football League, I'm not sure. I know that I'm very open to, more than anything, just continuing to expand and, and grow and learn. And I, like I said, for me to learn every day is important. And I was doing that as a general manager through some of these different interactions with a lot of these leaders at the international level. I'm really excited about it.
0: i tug at that thread a little bit, Thomas, the, the leadership angle. What did you take from all these great minds? and and then of course your own inner uh sense in terms of leading the falcons what what are some basic leadership principles that that really are valuable to you to share look
1: i mean andrew i i would say this goes way back for 10 or 15 seconds when i used to look at leaders in our league as you did that many years ago when i was a, a scout and then i moved into a personnel director role I would look and I'd say, this is about the head coach and the general manager, at least as it applied to me, having a very communicative, trusting, uh, respectful relationship, along with being candid, along with being real and making sure that you are discussing what needs to be discussed. I remember seeing, as you would, two great football men out in San Diego when it was A.J. AJ Smith and Marty Schottenheimer. Unbelievable that they should have built in my mind, championships for many years, but they were at loggerheads for some reason, at least my understanding. And I thought there was no way in the world that I ever want to face that. I had two uh, uh, opportunities with Mike Smith, my first seven years. uh, And I, and I'm very proud of the relationship I had with the head coach. And then after he was let go and created, you know, a really sound and, and, a relationship I'm incredibly proud of with Dan Quinn over the last six years. Um, I, that, those are incredibly important for me to know that I can, I can manage, I can navigate. It's not easy when you're talking about egos because of course both sides have egos, they have to. If you're in this business, you know that. I mean, you're, you're going head on in a negotiation standpoint, you better have an ego and you better believe and you have to keep it in check of course most of these guys back to your question we talk about the importance of that relationship massively important clear respectful honest and that's not always easy when you're trying to keep the relationship strong right. and, and you're you're trying to deliver in the right way the other thing that i continue to hear from people you know there's all kind of, you know the marginal gains idea the um you know where people are with analytics there's so much that goes on but big picture i mean it continues to come out if you're not if you are not again communicating clearly again i don't want to beat it to death but it is the way it is i personally when i was really working on my relationship with dan in those early years probably the first three years andrew i think you'll find this really interesting i spent so much time of my focus on dan as the head coach and my relationship there that a number of the the people along the middle management level all the department heads that, that reported to me that i was responsible for I I pulled away from them a little bit because I thought guys you guys are all set you've been here 15 plus years the Nick Polks of the world yeah. and and a number of those guys that are really good at what they do um, and I pulled away but but that's not a good thing in of itself right because you always have to keep your communication across you know across all all levels that's going to be really important so one of the things that came out in my mind is trust isn't just whether you've been upstanding with anyone within your business. Trust has a lot to do with regular communication and interaction. If you're not interacting with someone and it goes on for three to six months, then all of a sudden, I don't know, then there becomes a discussion about where trust is, right? Point in all of this is making sure that everyone's feeling communicated, everyone's feeling trusted and respected and valued. That to me is what continues to come out with all of these top-notch leaders around the world.
0: And it's so true in football. You seem to have come above this, and that is the personnel coaching dynamic you keep talking about that you know we saw in San Diego. It is, it is more, in my view, the norm on the bad side than it is the norm on the good side, like you and Dan had, where you know there's going to be a substandard performance somewhere. And then it becomes, okay, is it coaching? Is it personnel? This constant battle of, from the coaching side, you didn't give us enough good players. From the management side, you're not coaching the players we gave you good enough. I guess you kind of started to answer this with your great relationship you had with Dan, but how do you avoid that? Because things are gonna screw up, right? And then it's gonna be like this. And how do you avoid this?
1: Well, I think in avoiding that is making sure that the great thing about I believe that Dan and my relationship was we were never sweeping anything under the rug. We were hit it now, let's address it, and then let's move on. It might have taken a night. We were rarely at loggerheads and and, and I say that in a respectful and a good way. I I've heard other people say, Well, you need to be you need to be acrimonious with your head coach, and I'm thinking, absolutely not. You need to be respectful. You need to clearly communicate. You need to communicate what you think is going awry, but it's all in the delivery, right? We talk about semantic responsibility. If you are semantically responsible on your delivery to the head coach, you have a fighting chance to continue to grow that relationship versus being, you know, being at odds with each other and at loggerheads, every time you turn the corner, the last thing I wanted to be in, a, in an organization, whether it was with Mike Smith or whether it was with Dan Quinn, Was to be in an organization in an office day in and day out that i didn't want to go down there five to ten times a day because literally that's where dan and i were we spent a lot of time together even on the tough things but we were up on the board we talked we shared he shared with me about the personnel staff and the strengths and and the, the challenges as i did on the coaching side but we both were highly respectful of each other's world and navigated i believe very very well
0: yeah and i think you talk about the ego I'm not saying this because you're here, but I was so impressed along the way with the people you hired where I don't think other general managers could have the ego to hire them. And I, and I put in this boat mainly our friend. You're, you're much closer than I am, but I respect him so much, Scott Pioli. You bring Scott Pioli, the architect of four Super Bowl champions, on as an assistant. And think about the ego with that you know, other general managers, you know, bringing on someone that's kind of there with a bigger resume that could take the job at any time. And and you did it with Billy Devaney. You did it with a lot of people. And I'm like, I always am impressed at that Thomas, because here you are subsuming your ego to get the best people next to you. And you know, who's going to bring on Scott Pioli to sit in the next chair, (laughs) the assistant chair. And you did that so well. And I always, I enjoyed that coffee with cars thing you did when you first hired him to
1: <laughs> well i look i look back on that and i remember when that when that came to fruition i had said to myself that there was only one person at that point that i was would ever have wanted as as an assistant general manager um again respectfully speaking because he was my boss at one time um you know of course i learned so much from scott and from bill during the patriot time um, brought my own approach, of course, and, and you know Scott and I have a lot of similarities in approaches. We also have differences as far as approaches, and that's what's great because you're able to discuss them. You know, from Scott Pioli to Billy Devanny to to you know uh, Phil Emery to uh, Rustin Webster. Every time we sat down in our scouting meetings or in our personnel meetings or in our our finance meetings. Um, it was like a, a, a veritable like, uh, lecture. I mean, it was unbelievable. All I really wanted the guys to talk about, don't talk about doing this. No one was patting themselves on the back. It, everyone, where everyone was learning, was talking about what went awry. And I, not one person in there, Scott, you know, Phil, Rust, uh, Rustin, or Billy, no one ever hesitated to share, I messed up on A, B, and C, and X, Y, and Z, and mm. probably even more. That is where that entire staff really, really bought in, and they really they got a lot out of it. They got so much out of it per building teams, and I loved that. I thought it was great. I learned every time I was around those guys. Everyone used to say, well, why would you bring those guys in if they, if they, weren't, if they didn't win Super Bowls or weren't highly successful at their other organizations? The reason that those people were there, they are all very adept evaluators. They're all, maybe decisions went awry for one reason or another. We've all had to deal with that. But that was a really, really good football staff in my mind, and I think everyone, myself included, learned every day from being around that group of people.
0: Back to Thomas Dimitrov in a minute and this interesting conversation. First, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. You know the season's in full swing. Action's unfolding in so many places. We got the big game this weekend in Happy Valley. Ohio State, Penn State, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn one dollar into $100 when they place a bet on that game. It's safe, reliable, secure. makes it easier for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code ROSS, R-O-S-S. When you sign up, get this can't-miss offer. Pick either Penn State or Ohio State, bet $1, and then cash $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code ROSS during sign-up. Limited time only, DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus, first bet match each, up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9 with it. Now back to former Falcons general manager, Thomas Dimitrov. Talk about the team. I mean, I... Where do you feel things went, went off? The, I mean, it just seemed like this team, from an outsider point of view, talented, first-round picks everywhere, in all the games, and just tough losses. Tough I mean, losses. Pattern, patterns that ha, I mean, I've been on teams where you have one win early in the season where you shouldn't have won, and then you have a bunch of them, or you have a loss early in the season where you shouldn't, and then you have a lot, you know, a bunch of them too. I don't know if there's a snowball effect here
1: those are complicated those are complicated questions of course and i've searched hard uh long and hard as well i know dan has as well and is now and we're again planning on debriefing on a lot of things i look at it like you know and i know it's probably been used before that whole idea of of a symphony right with a lot of really talented musicians one group is playing really well one game two other groups are playing subpar another group is playing really well they're never really coming together for some reason I would say this year's team, interestingly enough, was one of the most talented all-around teams that I've been around. I've been around teams that were exponentially less talented and who, who, who played better together for some reason. It was really difficult for me to find an answer on why that sort of uh, out-of-sync thing was going on, because it, it continued to rear its head. We saw it last year, unfortunately, right at the beginning of the season, and we came back. To, Dan is, again, those players love Dan. I, get, I would say virtually every one of those players on that team that have been there would say my favorite coach or their favorite coach ever to play for was Dan Quinn, hands down. I mean, they love playing for Dan Quinn. Dan is the ultimate positive, you know, um, just morale boost guy, and he's, he's a really good football coach. So then, you know, we start off this year after coming off that last part thinking we're going to hit stride and hit high. And, you know, we have some really tough losses tough situations. And, uh, that's where it just got really complicated. You know, I, I don't have a, a direct answer for you right now, Andrew, to say where it went. All I know is it was going in different directions. And, uh, you know, Raheem is in that spot. He won, won the first game against, uh, Minnesota. And I thought they played really, really well. And unfortunately, that a really tough loss this past game. Um, so I continue to watch, I mean, Todd Gurley is, is a heck of a football player, and his momentum took him in into the end zone. People could argue many, many different ways what happened there without getting into a ton of that right now, of course. Um, I don't like to hear around this community that this team is jinxed because I don't necessarily believe in, you know, that sort of the, 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 the mythical or the, the side of magic. I mean, I just I, – I, I think there are a lot of really tough-minded people on this football team, but for some reason, they're not finishing
0: are going to watch tonight? We're recording this on Thursday. The team plays tonight. Are you going to watch?
1: Um, as a matter of fact, I think I will tonight. And uh, I, I really would love to call Dan up and uh, have a virtual uh, cocktail yeah. with him. But uh, long and short of it is, I may, I may turn the volume down. It depends. Or I may watch our friends, uh, Andrew Kramer and Han- Hannah Storm. That, yeah. I would love to watch them do that. I've not gotten a chance to see that. I think they do it. Uh, I think they're doing it on, is it on, uh, we're in the broadcast.
0: Yeah. And I was, I was a contributor for that for one season where I just call in my, my business insights during the game. Yeah. They do a great job.
1: That's great. Well, maybe I'll do that. Maybe take a (laughs) chance to do that. That'd be fun.
0: So talk to me about your, you're one of the most balanced people I've met in the NFL with your fitness and your health and your eating. Have you leaned in more in the last two weeks or has it just always been something part of you, whether you were busy with the team or not?
1: Well, it's interesting because I uh, I feel like I've always handled myself well. Yeah, like you probably there's always times when when you're hard on yourself, you know that you can be that much more. So, well, I, I always look at that and I think, wow, I could do so much more. I could be so much more fit or eat that much better. Um, I think I've been doing a really good job with my regular juicing and, like as you know, with the big En Vogue deal with the with the intermittent fasting here and there. Um, that really started. I, I really hit a really good spot during COVID, like a lot of us did.
0: Yeah, I leaned and, in too. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it, and it and it carried. Then you know, combine that with being able to spend the 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 mental time with your with your children or and your 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 loved ones. That was really important. I'm back on the bike a lot more, obviously, because I have a lot more time now. You know, where I would be getting out for hour rides here and there during the week or on my trainer. Um, now I'm able to get out every day, and if I get out two, two and a half, three, whatever, depends. I'm trying to do that a little bit more. I have I have some people around here that are really good riders and ex-pros, and they, they always kick my butt, to be all honest right. with you. And uh, I need to get back into being competitive with them. But all in all, what I really want to do is keep my yoga strong, which I've, I've been very inconsistent with, continue to eat very well. The mind, the mind side of it, I've been digging in along with all of this, trying to stay fit, but also – um, you're probably aware of, you know, um, uh, Ryan Holiday. Yeah, uh, So obstacle is the way and stillness is the key. Right. Through my good friend, R.C. Buford, who sent me on that, on that stoicism sort of uh, trail. I want to dig in there. Some of the things that I really want to do right now, people ask me, along with staying fit and continue to get yourself back into the shape you want to be, where you want to go with your mind is somewhere that I really am focused on. the the areas of study that I wanna work on while I have time to do that. We know how incredibly difficult it is to read uh, much more than a few pages here and there without the incessant knock on the door that I've been feeling for 13 years. I'm excited about really digging in and learning more instead of just, uh, what did did the commissioner say? uh, Tagliabue one time, during his time, he read a lot of really good summaries of a lot of really good books. So I want to get away from that. I want to really dig in a little bit more. So that's, that's where I am right now. Trying to keep it all balanced.
0: That's great. And you and I share that about Ryan holiday. And one thing with COVID besides leaning into the fitness, I have gotten into the reading side because frankly, there were no sports on TV for so long. So to fill my time, I'm not going to watch junk TV. I'm going to, I I did get into a lot of reading. When you were, with the the team's in your former life up to up two weeks past did you bake the fitness into your schedule you talked about rides an hour here hour there but i know sometimes i always had to sort of say okay if it's 6 a.m if it's 6 p.m it's going to be baked into that schedule did you work that way
1: yeah i definitely had to do that and 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 the crazy thing I mean, my best time would literally be if I got up at five, I was on my bike at 515 and rode for an hour and a half and get in. And not that I necessarily like pulling into the office at eight o'clock, given this job, you know, there's always so much guilt hanging over, but I was much more productive when I was hitting that. Then I didn't have to think about it all day about getting downstairs to work out. I just, I felt like I was in a really good spot that way. That was when I was at my best. And then I could maybe do some yoga or do some weight room work before going out to the practice field. Because the other thing we know now, right, it's not just about cardiovascular. Right. We, that's, this is a big thing that I'm really interested in now too. You know, this whole idea as you get into your 50s, you know, the, 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 the uh, strength training side, not heavy weights, but staying firm like is wildly important for us. We can't be the fit. What's that? We used to call it the, the, the skinny fat thing where you feel like you're just kind of
0: Right, you know, right
1: it's probably not proper to say that, but i say that about myself. I don't like that feeling. I like feeling like at least we're we're feeling you know uh, balanced as far as our workouts.
0: yeah, it's funny you mentioned yoga that's really important to me, not only for the stretching part but there is a strength aspect to yoga that's very great. you know I think yoga is a strength workout as much as anything
1: yeah, and I think uh you know I have a heavy bag downstairs i mean i I'm a big believer in in in, in variety, whether it's. Tracks, whether it's, uh, you know, I don't, I have, I just bought myself a, a big set of dumbbells because now I don't have a gym to go to. Like, I was so, I miss, you remember. I miss that
0: team gym. Yeah.
1: Oh, you're, you get so spoiled with all the, all the, uh, the benefits of being around that. Anything you ever need. That's another thing. It's a whole not, another topic that you can talk about, you, you know, the, the, the reality of, I was talking to a couple other GMs. They said, no, I'm staying in the city that I get fired from because, I know every doctor in town, and I know wow. I need to get to the front of the line, literally and figuratively speaking, um, they'll be able to. So, um, But I look, I would just say in the very end, for me, if I can, if I can continue to stay in the shape I, I feel like I can be in and eat right and be right with my kids, uh, we'll see how everything else plays out for me, and, and maybe do the odd podcast like this with you, and I, I really enjoy that, keeping, keeping the discussion going and, and the intelligence uh, flowing. Are
0: you mountain, road, gravel, or all three?
1: Interesting. Uh, I started off racing mountain bikes here in Atlanta when I lived here before I moved to Colorado, and then I raced there for 10 years. Amateur, of course. I mean, I always thought that I was a lot better than I was probably. Trained on road, and I really got to like road riding. I do a lot more road riding now than I do mountain biking. Again, I got my butt kicked the other day on a, on a mountain bike because I, just, I feel like I, I just haven't been out there for a while, and I really want to do it. Interestingly enough, today I was on a gravel bike because we had the hurricane, you know, remnants of the hurricane fly through here. So there were, there was debris everywhere. So I got on my gravel bike and I went all over town for the last couple hours and it was just, it was good. So I like getting out on all three bikes. And then by the way, I do have, I don't know if you've done it. I have an e-bike. Oh, you do? It's right. And I got it from Trek. Trek is fantastic. They have awesome electronic bikes, you know, your Wisconsin guys um, up there and uh, it's, I have a cruiser, which I like, and I've ridden back and forth to work a few times. It's about two and a half hours. Uh, I would ride to work every once in a while and then, you know, ride home. If it was on a day that wasn't a big day, Saturday or something, or a, on a light Friday, um, you know, that's a huge thing in Europe. So like people go to the Tour de France and instead of spending eight hours on one of the tour stages, the Europeans right now are really big on their e bikes and you're going out for three hours, great workout still. But you're able to see the world in a different way, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable when you get on it. The pedal assist it's it you would love it so it,
0: comes, it comes on when you're you know at that high grade
1: it comes on a high grade you'd be amazed, but also down it's got a governor at around thirty oh, okay. miles an hour so you, it's not like you can go 50, although you can probably do some some uh, some changing on it, which is probably against the law, which I would love to do because i like to go a little faster than. That. Yeah.
0: You see that picture? Can you, uh, you were, we were talking about before we came on. It's a great shot right there. Tell us about that.
1: Well, that's my, my fiance's, uh, mom painted a picture of me, uh, a few, a few, uh, months ago. And my fiance had taken some pictures of me. I'm like, why are you taking pictures of me going in circles around the driveway? And, uh, literally that's what she did. She surprised me on my birthday. So, um, I've had a couple of really interesting birthdays. My, My 50th birthday, not to bore you too much with this, was on Mont Ventoux at the Tour de France uh, a few years back. And I was right there when Chris Froome was off his bike running up the the Mont Ventoux. And I remember that. And I have another uh, sort of memorabilia over there in my other part of the office here, which always reminds me. And I realize how much I love cycling. And, And maybe one day I told someone, maybe I'll be a GM of a cycling team. Who knows?
0: That's awesome. Thomas, it's been great as always. Uh we always have uh just like two friends that catch up here on the podcast. I really enjoy it. Look forward to doing some other stuff with you while you're uh at this phase. I think we have a lot in common like we can share.
1: I would love to. I think um yeah, keep me in mind on that because I think, yeah, from from the, the balance and the fitness side of things and tying it all together. Um and we have some we have some mutual friends that I think would be would be You have something going right now that I think is really, I mean, it's admirable what you've done with with this podcast and, you know, everything else you're working on, of course. And I only aspire to make sure that I have the right path that's going to make me happy. As you had mentioned many times when we've talked, it is about much more than just, you know, you know, sitting in an office in an NFL building As, as much as we like that. Uh, make sure that we, we do get the full uh, completion of life and enjoying life along the way at, at so many levels.
0: I have no doubt you'll do that. I mean, you're, you're primed for that life. It's just as our listeners know right now. Thanks again for doing this. What a great, great conversation. Thank you, Tom. My,
1: my pleasure. Thank you. Andy.
0: Really hope you enjoy that conversation. Just a balanced guy. always like the way he approaches his world. It's not all about football. You don't get defined by who you are and being in the NFL. Thomas Dimitrov, and then I'll do it for this week's edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you enjoy the music underscoring me. It's from my son, Sam Brant, neon bloom EP available wherever you get your music. And that's what you hear below me. Thanks to my producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal. Thanks for following me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt podcast rankings and comments are always appreciated on Apple podcasts. And I'll be back next week with another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt.